Hey, welcome. It's Rising Tide Changemakers, where we share the stories of unique individuals who bring big ideas to life. Advance knowledge, build companies, and put meaningful change in motion. All with your host, Greg Weiss. Hey, Greg. Hey, I'm Greg Weiss, professor, innovator, and entrepreneur. We make this show because there are so many incredible individuals at UCI and in the Orange County entrepreneurial ecosystem. One of these is our guest today, Mark Bachman. Mark is the co-founder and now chief technology officer at Zytus, a company that's inventing all kinds of miniaturized devices and new ways to make them. Welcome, Mark. Glad to be here. Very excited to chat with you today. Maybe we can start by just ha- asking you, tell us about yourself. Sure, yeah. Um, well, my name is Mark Bachman. I'm the co-founder of Zytus and the CTO of Zytus. And prior to that, I was a professor here at UC Irvine. Uh, and my main area of research was in nanotechnology and microengineering uh, uh, in the School of Engineering. Uh, I spent a lot of time doing that kind of work. And um, five years ago, I decided to take the work that we were doing at the university and bring it out into the private sector and commercialize it. And that's... Uh, that's how I ended up at Zytus. Neat, neat. That must have been an incredible transition, going from being a, a well-established academic. You published over seventy papers. How did you? How did you make that leap? Well, I think it's probably in my blood for a long time, so um, uh, it was sort of uh, inevitable. But yeah, it's, it's quite a difference from being at, at the university, where um, you know, there's it's it's a great life and a. a a great way to do research to uh, kind of scrambling out there in the real world, so to speak. But it was something that um, I think it was I was meant to do, and I'm really happy that I did it. So is this Black Diamond Run that you always imagined yourself, or is this something that just you came upon and was just an opportunity that just sprung out of the blue? Um, I don't know that uh, uh, it's something I always uh, wasn't, you know, planning to do. But it was kind of in my blood because I think um, a lot of the work and a lot of my interest has always been in innovation and in commercialization. And even while I was at the university, I was uh, participating in a lot of commercialization efforts, helping companies to take Mm. technology out of the university. And at that time, I was doing that through Cal IT2 as well as applied innovation. Uh, So I've always had an instinct for, you know, taking early stage stuff out of the university and turning it into commercially viable products and technologies. And so um, when it came time for me to do this, um, and, and I'd started several other companies, but in the traditional professor way where we don't actually put, <laughs> right. put anything really at stake, we, we could still have our, uh, our cake and eat it too and let our students do all the hard work. But this time, I, uh, because it's based so much on all the fundamental work that I was doing through my lab at the university, uh, I realized there's, it had to be me to, if this was going to work. And um, it wasn't a, a simple little product. It's actually a whole platform of technologies. And so I, I realized I had to do it. And honestly, um, I, it was kind of exciting to do something new. <laughs> you know, at some point you go, okay, I've done enough of this. It's time to move on. Was there any exact moment when you suddenly realized, hey, I am going to be the guy to do this, that I, I, wanted, I want to take the, the leap out of academia and go for it? Well, um, a patent, there's a fundamental patent that covers the, uh, the main technology Oh, that know, we, we have. Should, we should say what that technology is. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. So um, at the university, I developed uh, new ways to uh, to build miniaturized devices that uh, borrow from the semiconductor industry, mm-hmm. but uh, it doesn't have uh, the limitations that semiconductor manufacturing has. And, and one of the key limitations of semiconductor manufacturing is that 
uh, it's an additive process, and so you're limited in the materials and processes that you can use. And so if, if, if you're, one of your processes is a 600-degree furnace, 600-degree Celsius furnace, then yes. um, other materials are not going to survive that, and so now you're suddenly limited. And what we were able to do is develop other ways to build these things where you could use a variety of different materials like polymers and metals and so magnetic stuff that would burn yeah. up yeah, at yeah, 600 stuff, degrees. Stuff that will not survive semiconductor processing. Sure. We're able to demonstrate over 20 different types of products Wow. That we could build that way, all you know, very very small, under a millimeter in size, but you know, it's a suite of you know, it's it's a, it's a pretty large knowledge base to turn that into, that that you need to turn that into products, and so. So you when have this I left, patent. Yeah, and so that patent um, uh, was uh, um, awarded, mm-hmm. uh, and then applied innovation approach means that help you know who should we license this patent to? There's interest, and I realized that. Um, if we license it to someone, it's probably going to fail because the patent alone is not enough to teach how to do this work. It would require some right. myself or some maybe some key postdocs or something like that to go with it. And um, then I realized, well, might as well be me. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it was about that time. You know, I think every 20 years or so in my life, I've figured out I want to do something new. I started out as a high-energy physicist before I went into engineering. And then about 20 years into that, I turned it into an, uh, an engineer during microengineering, and now I'm an entrepreneur. So that's that's a great transition. Wow. Yeah. So you you, um, you really enjoy this process of reinventing yourself, then? Yeah. I mean, maybe I have a little bit of ADHD or something, but I you know I do. I think at some point we Positive all we, yeah yeah yeah. It's, it's not a bad thing in this mm-hmm. case. I think um, I think uh, all of us you know enjoy doing new things, but the difference is to truly go after something new requires a huge tolerance for risk. That, that tolerance for risk is also the same thing you need if you're going to be an entrepreneur. So it, t- turns, it turned out uh, to work out well for me. But yeah, so be, just going for it, you know, everyone mm-hmm. may have that desire, but to go for it is another story, right? Yes. Is there something in your early life that gave you that kind of tolerance? Are you a risk-taking individual? Do, do you like thrills? Oh, no, no, I don't live off adrenaline or something. <laughs> I think, well, and I've seen this in a lot of entrepreneurs, too. They just are incredibly optimistic, you know, uh, and have this unusually high, uh, and, and I count myself among them, unusually high uh, sense of their inability to fail. They, they you know, we, mm-hmm. we just believe we can do anything, you know, and that is not necessarily true, but as long as you believe it, you know, then you can do it. And so that optimism combined with, you know, this... Um, the sense of being able to do things and, and not fail, you know, that's what it is. So, no, I'm not a risk taker in the sense that I'm not an adrenaline junkie or anything like that. So no skydiving. No, no, no skydiving for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, the, the risk taking, though, your ability to, to go for it, is, is there some moment, you know, where you just realized, wow, if anyone is going to make this happen, I'm going to do it. And I have the work ethic necessary to do this. Did, uh, when you when you started thinking about the, what was involved, it must have been really daunting, right? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, that's never been a, a barrier for me. And, you know, whatever it takes, I'm going to do whatever it takes. You mm-hmm. know, um, my, my only concern is the people that, that come along with me. I can even I can take failure. That's fine. You know, I mean, I'll put the effort in and I will believe that I will succeed the entire way up to the cliff. And then, you know, if we fail, that's OK. I, I can I can take that. But I do worry when uh, I've brought along other people, investors, people who um, I've convinced to work with me, things like that. Then I, then, <laughs> then I, it's not just it's just not just me now. Other right. people, and that 
that kind of sobers you up a little bit. Right. They yeah. have expectations yeah, as well. Yeah, and you know, I mean, people have joined this company. Have they sold their homes and moved out of state and moved to California to work with me? And wow. uh, and that's a big responsibility. And and people who have come along for the ride, they believe in me. You know, they come along because I've said we're going to do something. Because you say it, I believe you. Right. And now, <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> now we got this band of, <laughs> of 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 travelers, and we better get to this destination. You know. Indeed. Yeah. Wow. What, what are you telling them to do? What is the problem that Zytus wants to solve that uh, is really you know, world-changing? So when you're, when you're inspiring them, what do you want to do with Zytus? Well, the big picture and the, and the true value proposition of Zytus is that we can miniaturize things that could never be miniaturized in the past. So uh, there's a big market for very small products, especially if you think of things that are going into your body, for example. But even in aerospace and in industry, there's a benefit to having things smaller and smaller. But the, the problem with conventional miniaturization is that we can't miniaturize a lot of things. Uh, the world of MEMS, microelectromechanical systems, which is the, the, the main way that we miniaturize things, which uses semiconductor fabrication techniques. So, so, excuse me, let me just yeah. interject. So these are devices that have actual parts that are moving? Oh yeah, there's moving parts and there's uh, some parts not moving, but they, cool. they, have, they change their mechanical or, or so, so how big are these properties. things that are moving around? Well, the, the, typically the feature sizes are um, about three to five microns, which is, uh, you know, three to five millionths of an inch, of, wow. of a, a, a meter. Uh, so a human hair is about 50 to 100 microns. Okay. So these are smaller than a human hair. But the total product itself mm -hmm. is, is uh, you know, uh, many of these things together, and that would be about and, and a millimeter is, or so. Well, that's the problem, right? So the, the vision is to miniaturize things that couldn't be miniaturized before, right? Neat. And that, but uh, when you actually run a business, you know, you actually have to come up with a, a product that you're going to sell, <laughs> right? And so, uh, and that's actually one of the lessons learned. I mean, uh, it's a great, it's a great platform technology. I mean, really, in my opinion, it, it can be a real um, high impact technology. But to commercialize it is a different story because unless you just have a, uh, someone who truly believes in your vision and is going to give you a lot of money and just willing to wait for 10 years, you do have to have a clear uh, a business plan and, and, and a way that you're going to make money within the next, say, three to five years. And that means you've got to take this great technology that can do so many things, right? Right. Like I said, at, at the university, we built 20 different things, ranging from microfluidics to implantable devices to um, actuators and things like this. But you've got to pick one, right? Right. So that's the problem. So that's that the problem. Solve. It's like yeah. which is the winner? You know, which is the one that's going to take the least amount of resources? That's going to get you in a market where you've got the most to offer, you know, and where uh, you can make money selling maybe only a few thousand to begin with, you know. So right. You know, as opposed to oh, I'm going to sell a billion of these at ten cents each. You know, that's not a good way to enter a startup, that's right? Very hard. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, so that's that's the hard part of this is when you've got something. In, in my opinion, is very exciting technology, but to turn that into an actual business that could be make a commercial product, you've got to down select mm -hmm. to to something. So tell us that what that, that process was like. You know, so you must have early on had a couple of flawed ideas, right? Well, yeah, a lot of flawed. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, the products that we're making now are are smart sensors for uh, Internet of Things. You know, so these goes on uh, these go on little motors. And they monitor the vibrations, and they uh, and they can think, and they can tell you when um, a, a piece of machinery is starting to act strange. 
And that goes back to a lot of the work I was doing at the university in Internet of Things. I don't know if you recall, but I was like a big IoT. I guy. remember yeah. you're, you're practically yeah. an evangelist for the <laughs> right. Internet I was, of Things. Yeah. And um, so in addition to the micro-machining work, there's the IoT work. And so that's that's what we're doing now. And that, that benefits from this miniaturization because the sensors are small, the, you know, the wireless and all that's all built into a small integrated package. But we didn't start with that. We started with uh, micro-relays, and relays are little switches. They switch on and off. Mm-hmm. And there is so much work in this space of people trying to miniaturize a relay for radio frequency applications, you know, for, um, uh, you know, for, especially for 5G, when you're trying to s- switch you know, 28 gigahertz and things like that. It's hard to find a switch that can do that that's small. And uh, we, we had that switch at the university. And said, okay, that's a no-brainer. That's the thing, right? Right. Uh, the problem is it's kind of a, a niche product, and it takes a long time that particular product requires massive, uh, a, a very, very high level of reliability, right? Oh. And so it's got to switch, you know, t- 10 million times and has, you know, can't have any loss and blah, blah, blah. And so when you've got this great technology, it works great on a bench right. at the university, right? Right, under idealized right. It's like, lab conditions. Yeah, we've, we've got, I mean, we really had the world record. We could do super, we can do high frequency, we can switch, uh, a uh, hundred watts, which is unheard of for these types of things. The, the wow. best competitor to that at that time was two watts, and mm-hmm. so we're really pleased with this thing. But to turn that into an actual commercial product requires a lot of effort. Okay. To make it uh, more so, manufacturable and reliable and so forth, and that effort uh, you need money for. You need money and time, and mm-hmm. so we basically realized we need to go after lower hanging fruit. We'll right. still go after that, but it's going to take some money and time. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, we've got investors, and with COVID and things like that that need to see something hit the market a little sooner. Okay. But uh, fortunately, the work that I was doing on IoT also applied, and so we uh, pivoted to these small integrated sensors that can tell you how your machinery is doing, and that is actually now going into the market. So, you know, every startup has a pivot, and right. it doesn't mean the first idea was a bad idea. It's actually right. a great idea, but it just takes a lot of money. And the reliability of, of a mechanical moving thing is much, much harder to hit than uh, things that are more you know, like just sensors and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you do have, to, when you pick the, you're trying to pick your winning horse, one of them looks like this is great, this is the horse, right? It can switch, you know, 100 watts at five gigahertz or, or 10 gigahertz, but it's more than that, that that needs to go into the equation. And you gotta figure out how easy, how much money, how much time, how, many, how much resource is gonna need, are we gonna need to get this to where actually people will buy it? Okay, so that's a yeah. very complicated equation. Yeah, yeah, and it's hard to predict, right? And you know, coming out of the university, uh, we're generally focused on the cool, the high value part of that, which is you know the results, you know the, right. the data you're getting of it. But you know, you have to consider how much work and effort it's going to take to actually get to a commercial product as well. Okay, that's super interesting. So, um, you know, I happen to know that you also have uh, a very interesting outside the <laughs> laboratory life. So okay. you're, you're, for example, I know that you're a scoutmaster, you um, are in a band. Would you describe being an entrepreneur more like, uh, you know, being part of a band or being a scoutmaster? Uh, well, I guess uh, uh, you, you can apply both of those analogies to uh, by, by the, way, the startup world. Feel yeah. free to plug your band. What, what's the name, what's the name <laughs> yeah. of this? Well, it's called the Second Law Band, and my uh, and I've heard my they co-founder. Rock hard. <laughs> yeah, it's actually a pretty fun band. We do a lot of parties and things like that. <laughs> my guitarist is a, a, a professor here at UCI as well, and we started the band together. He's a chemistry professor. My colleague Craig Martins. Yes, Craig Martins, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, he and I are both. You know, I'm a, a phys- I was trained as a physicist. He's a chemist, and so. 
we like the the second law. That's our favorite law in in course in physics and and chemistry. So we named it after the second law. And it's also you know entropy, right? Everything goes to disorder, including our you know our lives, loves, whatever. You know, you just have to live with it, right? <laughs> so embrace the second law. <laughs> <laughs> but so, you're yeah. running a company. Is that like jamming with a band? Where oh, you're I wish. Just, yeah. sort of, or is it more like being a scoutmaster and being like, we're going to march over here. We're going to do this. Yeah. Well, I think it's like being a scoutmaster in that when you're a scoutmaster, you're trying to uh, you know organize a hundred boys between the ages of like. 10 and you know 16 <laughs> and they don't know what they're doing and things are going crazy and you got all the moms and dads worried about things and just trying to manage all these people <laughs> i think that's actually what running a startup especially a tech startup is like because you got so many different players and so many different expectations and you're just trying to get through this camp out right? <laughs> like, so i would say it's like that but it's rewarding as well because when i was a scout master i was a scout master for um eight years um you know you really have real impact Yes, uh, on people's lives, and uh, at at the end of the day, you can say, "Oh, we did something. It was cool." You know, we actually, um, it might have been hard work, and it might have been we didn't know what was going on all the time, and now this little, this kid here just got, you know, got eggs in his hair, and this kid here is lost. We got to go find him. <laughs> so there's all that going on. But at the end of the day, you say, "Look, you know, nobody died, and it was actually a a pretty good experience." So I think uh, if we were going to draw an analogy, it'd be scout like that. Yeah, and so interesting. Yeah. So uh, what motivates you every day? Well, I guess um, I have a, a very strong sense of, of responsibility to the people that I'm working with. And I, I kind of alluded to that earlier about when people come on board now, it's like it's, it's not just me taking risks and thinking we're going to be fine. I have to worry about a lot more. And so when I've um, committed to working with people, I, I do want to deliver. You know, I want, I want things to work out. And so I'd say that's a very strong motivator a day to day but what motivates me at a higher level is really this need to create right i mean i i think if you look at the music for example that we do i mean i, I love creating music i love yes. creating experiences and uh in the case of the tech company i like creating technology inventing things. yeah inventing things. i've got so many invent i mean when i was here as the uh, at one time i was the top inventor at uci i mean yes. they've got so many of my patents sitting here and we and i continue to do that and and in a way, um, so that's what motivates me to do things like start companies. Now, to be fair, once you've started a company, you really can't do that much inventing. You're focused on this product. You got to, you know, so all your time now is spent on that, which is a little bit of a um, a bummer. But you know, there's still time <laughs> on the weekends to, or something to invent things. And you know, we're solving focus problems, and we're far solving mm -hmm. problems that relate specifically to the products that we're trying to get into the sure. market. And so there's still that creativity there. It makes sense that an inventor like yourself would cite a patent as being the key moment. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, that was the enabler, right? And that's what suddenly made, put it on the maps. Like people are interested. Now it's time to you know put up or shut up. And it's not just something I published and I can worry about it later. Now's the time. And so, and it, you know, like I said, uh, that was a good time for me to think about doing other things. So. Very exciting. Well, um, where can our listeners learn more about you and, and uh, your company? Well, uh, we have a, a nice website. Uh, Zidas, X-I-D-A-S dot com. Okay. And then uh, you can go to my band page, secondlawband.com. We are playing. Well, we're all uh, going to uh, want to hear uh, that uh, Of course, yeah, you've got to come see us. And, uh, you know, see a bunch of professors playing guitar and stuff. It's, it's great. No, you guys really yeah. rock. I've seen you before. It's very impressive. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, uh, I think, uh, we're, uh, as Craig says, it's our misspent youth coming back. <laughs> we finally get to behave like kids again. So, all right. Yeah. Well, I love it. 
Thank you everyone for joining us. Um, it's been a real pleasure chatting with my guest today, Mark Bachman, CTO of Zytus. And uh, to the listeners, I want to encourage you to keep rising with the tide upward and outward. Rising Tide Changemakers is a production of UCI Beale Applied Innovation and is recorded here at the OC Talk Radio Studios at The Cove at UCI. This podcast is made possible by associate producer Ethan Perez and producer and sound engineer, yours truly, Paul Roberts. For more information about UCI Beale Applied Innovation, just visit us online at innovation.uci.edu. And as always, any opinions or endorsements expressed on this podcast are those of the host and the guest and do not represent the views of UCI Beale Applied Innovation, the University of California, Irvine, Regents of the University of California, or any other organization associated with this podcast.